Good evening. If you're still hunting for a place to sit, there's still a few spots down here. Uh, there's two whole rows right over here. If any y'all kids want to come sit down here with the rest of them. Uh, it's great to see y'all tonight. Man, it's been, I think, three whole years since we actually had this here in January. Uh, and so it's really good to see everybody, everybody that made it tonight. Um, to our worship tonight, we're going to, our senior guys... Like one junior guy thrown in there. Uh, they're going to be leading the worship while uh, Mr. Stephen Hodgen is going to bring the message. Uh, we'll have Gibson Foster will be leading our singing tonight, and uh, Turner Foster will have our opening prayer, and then Levi Swinney will uh, have our closing prayer tonight. Uh, so uh, we thank you for being here. Before, um, right before we get started, I got a note just to uh, say this. So. If you'll, if you'll just remember this in the prayer, uh, to please pray for Rod Coggin. He is a, Jody, Jody Long handed me this note, and so he's, he works with him. Um, several of us know him, though, but he is in the hospital with, uh, with uh, having issues with AFib, so his heartbeat is, is not right. So uh, we just remember him in our prayers, um, and then join us as we worship this evening. The first, song, the first song tonight will be 222 on Zion's Glorious Summit, 222. Let's all sing. On Zion's Glorious The second song tonight will be Prince of Peace. 
tonight will be We Bow Down 5757. Mr. Stephen tonight as he delivers his lesson, and let us take it to heart and hopefully use it to grow closer to you. We ask for you to be with all the sick among us, but especially be with Rod Coggin and his family tonight and help them in a way we know only you can. We want to thank you for allowing everyone to get here safely, and we ask that you would be with everyone as they travel home tonight. Most especially, we want to thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for our sins, and in Jesus' name we pray, amen. The invitation song tonight will be, What Will You Do With Jesus, 926. The song before the lesson today will be, Someday. We'll sing.
Scripture reading tonight will be from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. Making the most of the time because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Good evening. Thank you so much for being a part of our gathering tonight. Isn't that singing beautiful? Amen. You know, it's interesting, you're here tonight, and if you're visiting with us from other congregations to be a part of this area-wide youth devotional, you are our honored guest. Thank you for being here, especially if you are here and you're a teenager and you want to be here. We appreciate that. And those of you who made sure that those who wanted to be here were here. Now, I had an interesting experience, and I don't say this as a negative, I say this because it makes me laugh. Uh, and, and it makes a point. Had an experience a few years ago. In fact, I hadn't been working here at Boonville just very long. And we came up with the idea of doing just what we're doing right now and having our devotional during this time and inviting others to come and worship with us. I actually got an email from an individual who didn't quite, he was asking a question. And he basically said, I really don't like the idea and think it's a bad idea that you are having, instead of having your worship service, you're having a youth devotional. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, this is a worship service. Because if you hear this singing and you understand these voices are reaching the throne room of God, uh, I feared that he just didn't have an understanding of what a youth devotional is. Uh, but this is a worship service, and we are worshiping together. Tonight, as we think about a few things, I hope that you will allow God to speak to you through his word tonight. Our uh, pulpit minister, Brother Ken Forrest, has a, something he is fond of saying that I really appreciate and have taken to heart, is that when we are worshiping and we are singing and we go to God's throne in prayer and we come to that time when someone stands up with a Bible in hand and in heart and we began to, to listen to that and study that together, that that is still every bit a part of worship because we are still worshiping God as we listen to him. And as we take into our own hearts what he has to say to us, and so I, I hope, I pray that that's what we're going to do tonight. And if you're taking notes, I encourage you to write these scriptures down and study them later. There's not going to be a PowerPoint tonight, and some of them, we may not read them, but we'll talk about them. And I hope you'll study them a little more um, as you reflect on them a little bit. But I want us to begin by thinking about some things that we do find in the Word of God. In Ephesians chapter 5, begin about verse 15, it was read to us today uh, just a moment ago. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, when you couple that with Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, where Paul said, uh, now listen to it. You, have you sung this song before? Have you listened to these words before? Do you believe these words and are you living these words? I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I live in the flesh, time out, that's right now. So in the morning when you get up and get ready to start your day and you look into that mirror, I want you to do this. I want you to say good morning, self, and then just laugh. 
But then I want you to look back and realize that whatever you do the rest of that day, if you live this verse, it is not just for Christ. It's through Christ and in Christ and to his glory and in his service. He said, the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So if you're here tonight and if you believe that Jesus indeed is the Son of God and that he is the Savior of the world, that he is your Lord and that if you, and you truly believe that the life that you live is because of him and in him and through him, that means his faith not only guides you, but it is you. And so Paul said, be wise circumspectly has the idea, you know, that's one of those big words. Uh, I'm a high school English teacher and I love to, uh, the truth is I have two reasons for using words. I love words. I love to use words because I want to expand your mind and your thought process. And two, I just love to look on your face when I use a word you've never heard before. Uh, but that's probably not fair. But the word circumspectly, you know, that's just a big fat word that says, be careful, watch where you're putting your feet. Be careful and be cautious and consider all the ramifications of what you're doing and what you're about to do and why you're doing what you're doing. Paul said, be wise in the way that you live. And as you live, you live by the faith of the Son of God. So we're talking about our life then. Now, if you looked at the title of the lesson that was in the brochure, in the bulletin, or maybe you saw it uh, in a remind uh, a reminder about tonight. You saw that the title is Be Wise With Your Numbers. Paul just said be wise. As you walk, pay attention. Don't be unwise, but be wise. Understand what the will of the Lord is for your life. So let me begin with a question. Do you understand exactly what God wants you to do with your life? That's every, I don't care how old you are. That's a question that is pertinent to you every single day. Do you understand what God's will is for how you live? And the second question, have you ever considered the important numbers of your life? Now, I have to admit, those who know me well know that I teach English and I, I don't understand numbers. I'm one of those people that believe that, truthfully, um, uh, algebra is not my favorite. Anybody love algebra? Well, there's a few, yeah. And we're glad that those people exist because that's the reason why uh, we're still surviving. Uh, but uh, I heard a story about a fellow, uh, they said, where'd algebra come from? And they talked about in the deep, dark recesses of the early dawn of time, there was a deep a meeting in a deep, dark cavern among Satan and all of his minions. And he said, what can we do to start a thread that will unravel society and humanity for, until the end? And there were several suggestions. And then one old uh, demon in the back raised his hand and said, put numbers and the alphabet together. And algebra was born and the rest is history. Uh, but now it's not that bad. I'm sorry. Those of you who, who know, I, I joke like that because I can't do numbers. Uh, it gives me a headache. An algebra teacher at school tried to explain to me uh, a, a simple equation on the board. I have no idea what she was talking about. But that's okay. I love words, but I realize numbers are important. They're very important. So I ask you, as we move on now into some things a little more serious, what are some numbers that are important to you? You know, this is that time of year we all have got things we're writing on our planners. You've got January, March, uh, January, March, where did February go? January, February, March, April, May. You've got all those things. Some of you have got that date of graduation. 
You know exactly how many days there are left until summer. How many days there are left in graduation. Some of you, till graduation. Some of you know exactly how many days there are until that beautiful child is going to be born. Or when uh, you walk down that aisle and say, I do, as you look across at that significant other, that bride or that groom. And you can't wait for those. Those dates are important. What dates are important to you? I can remember, uh, let's see, 721-1965. That was the year of... That was when I was born. I can remember, let's see, uh, uh, 1, 1, 2, 3, 1, 9, 8, 0. November the 23rd, 1980. That was the first time I asked my wife on a date. And I can remember uh, 07, 2, 2, 1, 9, 8, 3. That's when I walked down the aisle and said, I do. And I can think of 3, uh, 1, 1, 9, 8, 5. That's when my son was born. Uh, five, one, or five, nine, one, nine, nine, one. That's when my daughter was born. All kinds of numbers that are important. But I want us to turn our attention now to some other numbers just a little bit. And I want to do this in the form of three questions. I want to ask you as you think about how you live your life and you ask yourself, am I living my life by the faith of the Son of God? Can I say that the life I'm living in the flesh is I am living it as wisely as I possibly can? Because I understand what the will of the Lord is. I'd like for you to consider three questions about the numbers of your life. Number one, what do you do with your time? What do you do with your time? Just a moment ago, we read in Ephesians chapter 5, or, and it was read to us, but we skipped over verse 16 or we didn't look at it much. He said, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Have you ever read that verse and thought, I'm not real sure what that means. The idea of redeeming, especially if you look it up in a lexicon and the first thing it says is, is buy something back or a ransom. You think, what's that got to do with time? It has the idea of taking something and moving it out of harm's way and protecting it from harm and danger because it's that precious. You're doing everything in your power to, to take care of it because it's precious. The days are evil. You don't know how many more days you've got. In fact, in 365 days, uh, by virtue of your presence here, and I'm not trying to be funny, all of you made it to 2023. And here you are at the 22nd day of 2023. Did you know if you reach... Jan, um, December the 31st, 2023, you will have experienced uh, 365 days, 8,760 hours, 525,000 minutes, 31,536,000 seconds. Whew, that's a lot. That's a lot. I, I can't possibly use up all of those. But now, wait a minute. Uh, since January began and to this moment, if you wake up in the morning and you head about your day, you head to school or to work or wherever you're going, you've already used 22 days, 528 hours, 31,680 minutes, 1,900,800 seconds. Now, that's a lot. But don't you understand those things make up who you are? So what do you do with all of that time God has given you? You say, I've got all those seconds. Man, I've got all the time in the world. Except the fact is, those things continue to tick off. Every second bleeds into the next one, into the next one, into the next one, until it's a minute, until it's an hour, until it's a day, until it's a week, until it's a year. And then you look back and you wonder, it still amazes me. 
that half of the people in this auditorium had not yet been born. In 2001, when the Twin Towers fell on 9-11. And I watched CNN live and saw the second one fall. Because that's just how quickly your seconds move and into the, the hours, into the minutes, into the hours, into the days, into the weeks, into the months, and into the years. What do you do with your time? Do you use it wisely? In 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2, do you know what Paul said there? Paul was talking to that group of people about a particular uh, idea or a particular need in their own life. But the principle is very plain to you and me. He said, today is the day of salvation. Now is the day of salvation. Behold, today is the day of salvation. Now I have heard you in a time accepted. Today is the day. There was a Chinese proverb that says the best time to plant a tree is 25 years ago. The second best time to plant a tree is right now. There are lots of things that you may need to be doing that you've been putting off. There are some of you listening. The truth is, you know good and well that you're not living by faith and your life is not in harmony with God's will. And you know that you need to obey the gospel. And you need to take that step you've been contemplating for quite some time, but you haven't done it yet. I want you to consider James 4 and verse 14 tells us that we don't know what's on the morrow. What is your life? It's just a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Vanishes away. What do you do with your time? There's 86,400 seconds in a day. So when your clock, you may be fast asleep, you may be working on homework, you may be uh, tick-tocking, Snapchatting, or whatever it is you do at midnight. See, somebody always grins because you think it's funny that I know what TikTok is. Uh, I do know what it is. I have no idea what it does, but I know what it is. But when that clock hits 12 midnight, there begins yet another cycle of 86,400 seconds. And each one of them is precious. And each one of them is moving. And each one of them is being used for good or for bad or wasted. What do you do with your time? When's the time to do what you need to be doing right now? Right now. But number two, what do you do with your words? What do you do with your words? Now, I surely don't have to uh, tell a room full of Christians, and I certainly don't have to tell an assembly of young adults. And by the way, let me say this, moms and dads, if you uh, don't cringe when I say this, but I say this in my classroom, and I've never said it in a public forum, Jonathan, especially one that's being recorded. But moms and dads, no matter how bad you don't want to admit it or don't like it, these are adults. These are young adults. And they need to be treated that way and they need to understand that your responsibilities and your blessings are not something that you're looking forward to using. You should be using them right now. And you need to understand that your thoughts, your ideas, your words are very important. I want you to consider this. If you had five hours of talk time, if, if all you talked is five hours a day, now, Anybody know anybody probably talks more than that? Okay, hands down. No names, please. But five hours of talk time, that's 30,000 words a day. 
That's 30,000 words a day. That's 10,950,000 uh, words uh, a year. That's 10,950,000 words a year. That's a lot of words. The average person speaks about 100 words in a minute. Now, some of us less, some of us more, about 100 words in a minute. Did you know that every single one of your words has an effect? Every single one of your words has some kind of impact on someone else. In fact, Paul said in Ephesians 4 and verse 29, let not corrupt words come out of your mouth, but rather those that are good for necessary edification, that, it may, that it may, they may impart grace to the hearers. Let no corrupt communication, let no corrupt words come out of your mouth, but instead what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. You know what edification is? It's encouragement. It's building up. It's some effort that lifts someone else. Now you couple that with Colossians 3 and verse 6. When he said, let your speech, those are your words, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how to answer every man. Now, wait a minute. What, what did you say, Paul? Let no corrupt word come out of your mouth, but instead let your words be for necessary edification. So understand this. Every word that comes out of your mouth, those words are either lifting someone up or they're tearing someone else down. Solomon said in Proverbs 25 and verse 11, a word fitly spoken, a word fitly or rightly spoken are like apples, is like apples of gold in pitchers of silver. Now that's always been kind of weird to me and I, I think the more you think, what? Think about golden apples in silver pitcher. In other words, it's something pretty to look at. Paul said a word, or uh, Solomon said a word fitly spoken. When you say the right word, when you think about what to say and you say the right word, you say the word that builds somebody up instead of passing along gossip, instead of uh, uh, putting something or sharing something that is going to drag someone down or, or, or discourage them or barb them or, or bite them. Instead, he said, when you do that, that's something beautiful. It's something precious. It's something valuable. It's something good. And that's what he was talking about. You know, in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus said, when you start reading about verse 33 and you read through verse 37, now listen to this, y'all listen to this. He said, either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad because by the fruit, you know the tree by its fruit. He said, you brood of vipers. He was talking to some uh, hypocrites, some sinners. He said, you brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? He said, for out of the abundance, now here's where you need to listen. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Everything that comes out of your mouth comes from your heart, comes from who you are on the inside, from your mind, from your soul, from your heart, and those things entwined. Oh, wait a minute. Do you mean, is that why Jesus said in Matthew 22 and verse 37, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind? You got it. He said, out of the abundance of what's in here is what you say. Wait a minute. He wasn't through there. He said, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart will bring forth good things. But an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart will bring forth evil things. But he didn't stop there. He went on to say, therefore, every idle word that men will speak, they will give an account of it 
in the day of judgment. By your words, you will be justified. By your words, you will be condemned. Wait a minute. Did you, did you hear that? Jesus said that judgment, your judgment. Read verses like Revelation 20 and start at verse 12, where I saw the dead small and great stand before God and the books were open and another book was opened, which is the, the book of life. And the dead were judged out of the things written in the books according to their works. Now, according to what I read there, Jesus said a part of that judgment is going to be not just how I thought, but how I talked. The things that I say. That makes me think about James chapter 3, first eight verses. James there, first verse said, Brethren, let not many of you be teachers, for we shall receive the greater condemnation. In other words, be careful how you use your mouth because you're going to be judged by how you use your mouth. Then he goes on to talk about the idea of a ship, a great cargo ship larger than this building is moved wherever the pilot wants it to move by a very small rudder in comparison. A horse, a powerful horse is stopped, moved to the right, moved to the left by a very tiny bit that's in its mouth and attached to those reins. And he said in the same way, the tongue is a small, in comparison to the rest of me, you know, I could take this hand and I will tell you this, the truth is, and it's a different lesson for a different day, but I love cold and rainy winter mornings because it reminds me to not do anything stupid that day because when I was 19 years old, I tried to put this hand through a concrete wall and the little uh, doctor, Filipino-American doctor, looked at my x-ray, never laid eyes on me in my life, and looked at my x-ray and said, only one way break hand like that. He said, must have hit wall. And then he looked at me and said, very stupid. I said, yeah, that pretty well sums it up. Uh, but that reminds me uh, not to do those silly, but my hand can be pretty powerful. I can do some harm with that. I can do some harm with my feet. But James said, of all of those things, that tiny member of the tongue is more powerful than those. Because he said how great a fire. How great a matter a little bitty fire kindles. In other words, you know how many matches it takes to burn down an entire forest? One. Just one. You know how many words it takes to start a marriage on the decline to divorce? One. You know how many words it takes to turn the tide of a friendship to something bitter? One. You know how many words it takes to... Now, folks... My words, Paul said, let no corrupt words come from your mouth, but only the ones for necessary edification, only the ones that build people up, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Wait a minute. Let me take you back to Colossians 3, 6. Let your words be always with grace. Do you understand? Young adults, listen to me tonight. Older adults, listen to me tonight. But younger adults, please listen to me. As you go out there tomorrow, as you snap those chats and you tweet those tweets and you do those things you do that I don't understand, as you speak those words, you need to understand something. Your words are powerful. They need to be words of character. They need to be words of content. 
truth. And they need to be words of compassion. If you've never heard the old preacher's story, I heard the story a long time ago of a philosopher who took a young man up on, who wanted to learn about life, took him up to the top of a hill and carried this bag, drug this large bag up to this high, high cliff. He said, I want you to take this bag and empty it. And he emptied the contents of the bag and it was full of bird feathers. And those feathers were caught in the currents uh, uh, that ran through those mountains and scattered those out of sight. Some fell here, some fell there, but most were never seen again. He said, now have you learned the lesson? I don't know what you're talking about, Master. So he handed in the bag and said, you're right, the lesson's not over. Now I want you to climb down and gather every single feather that's been released and put it back in this bag and come back and I'll tell you the lesson. He said, wait a minute, that's impossible. He said, you're right, you've learned the lesson. Because when the words leave your heart, when the thoughts become words and they leave your mouth, they're not coming back. They're going to do whatever it is they're going to do. They're going to do the positive or the negative. They're going to build up or tear down. They're going to pull toward or push away. They're going to praise God or they're going to make God ashamed. What do you do with your words? I challenge you. To use your words for God's glory. To use your time in God's service. But then number three, and very quickly, what do you do with your opportunities? Your opportunities? Now you may be thinking, wait a minute, opportunities. Now how am I going to put time on that? What number are you going to throw out there? What's an opportunity, first of all? Now there's a word, if you don't know what it means, you need to leave here tonight. If you don't learn anything else, learn this word and the verse that goes with it. A set of circumstances that makes it possible to do something. Things are going to line up so that you have a moment in which you are able to make a choice, to do a thing, to accomplish a deed, to take a step. And that moment is going to be and then it's not going to be anymore. Maybe you've heard people talk about the doors of opportunity opening. You know, interesting, Jesus understood that analogy and he used it. So we didn't get it. We didn't create that idea. We got it from him. And I'll show you that in just a minute. But an opportunity, the, uh, the chance, the circumstances for you to do something. Now, we know about that. In the, some of you want the opportunity to get that diploma. You want that opportunity to get that scholarship. You want that opportunity uh, to be able to accomplish that goal or to get that new card. I get it and you get it. I, and I understand that. Not a thing wrong with that. Don't you understand that Galatians 6 and verse 10, that in that verse, Paul wrote there and he writes to us, as you have therefore opportunity. Wait, stop right there. As you have therefore opportunity. When the circumstances align, when God makes it possible for you to do a thing in his service. As you have therefore opportunity, do good. To all men, especially those of the household of faith. Sometimes we use that verse and we have, and this is no criticism, but I fear sometimes we in our study of the Bible and we in our service to God in the Lord's church, we don't mean to do this, Mason, but I think what we do, and by the way, I'm sorry, that's the English teacher in me. I forgot to tell you, I'd probably call your name. Uh, you know what we do? We, we kind of 
put blind, we put a hedge around verses. And we think Galatians 10, that means uh, benevolent work. Feed somebody, house somebody, take care of somebody. No, is, or, is that in that verse? Oh, absolutely, you better believe it. Is that all that verse means? Absolutely not. Tomorrow, you know, all those, uh, all those minutes that we talked about and all those seconds that all of you've got as you're contemplating what's in your heart and how you use your words, each of you will have opportunities. Circumstances will open up. Circumstances will slide your way. And God will be giving you an opportunity, a moment in which you can make a decision for the good or not good. You can make a decision to do a thing in his service, to say a word, to lift someone else, to take a step forward in your relationship with him. Well, that's exactly, in fact, 1 Peter 3 and verse uh, 15, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Do that, got to do that first. You know what that means? Sanctify the Lord God in your heart. That's Galatians 2.20. Make it your point, make it your life that you are living every breath, every moment, every second, every word and every thought is to God's glory by the faith of the Son of God who loved you and gave himself for you. You sanctify the Lord God in your heart and be ready always to give an answer to everyone that asketh you a reason of the hope within you. Now, if you think that means somebody's going to hunt you down, peck you on the shoulder and say, let me ask you a Bible question, that is, then Satan's got the wool pulled over your eyes. That verse is teaching us that we are always ready to explain to the world with our thoughts, with our words, and with our behavior why we are who we are. We show them. Well, I think of Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. I dare you to commit that to memory. Eddie, that's a verse that we're all familiar with. When he said, you are the salt of the earth. A city set on an... Uh, whoops, now I'm mixing them. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its savor or its flavor, it's good for nothing but to be cast out, trodden under the foot of men. Now, listen to this. If you don't believe salt is powerful... Go home and put some on your... Uh, don't do this at home. This is an example. But put some... Anderson, don't do this. I mean... Uh, go home and put some salt on your finger and then put it in your eye. And I guarantee you... Now, please, little ones, I'm kidding. Don't do that. I don't want to get a call at 1201 saying, you know what... Oh, but if you do that, I guarantee you, you know how powerful salt is. Salt always changes its environment, always affects, affects whatever it touches for the good or the bad. Jesus said, you're the salt. Do you hear that? You're the salt of the earth. You must have an impact on the world by your very presence. You see, the truth is, and if you know somebody like this, I'm sorry, and just nod your head. How many of you know somebody who brightens up a room by leaving it? <laughs> yeah. Don't be that person. Jesus said you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill can't be hidden because everybody sees it. Then he said, neither do men light a candle or 
turn on a light and put it under a basket, but puts it up on high so everybody can be illuminated. Everybody can see it. Everybody can see the results, experience the light. He said, let your light so shine among men so they can see your good works. What's these good works that you're going to see? What is everybody going to see? Sometimes we get all caught up in that. We're going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. Folks, you don't have to make a list. They may see your good works. They will see you living, Galatians 2.20, the life that I now live right now in the flesh every day, all the minutes, all the seconds, all the words, all the thoughts. I'm living it for Christ, in Christ, through Christ. That's who I am. And the world will see that. Let your light shine. Now, my question is, how many opportunities do you get every day to do just that? But you don't. Don't put your lights under a bushel, under a basket, hide, hide it. What do you do with your opportunities? Revelation 3 and verse 20, I said we'd come back to this. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Listen to it now. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone will hear and open the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Now, do you know what he's talking about? And that's not, uh, that's not excluding you, young ladies. That's everyone. The, Jesus said, I'm standing at your door and knocking. That's not just for those who haven't obeyed the gospel. I want you to get in the habit of hearing. I'm not trying to be funny or be cute or be silly. But I want you to get into the habit of hearing the Lord knocking at the door of your heart and your life because when he does that, he is about to show you a door. He's about to show you an opportunity. When you open that door, he will present to you an opportunity to do something for his glory and in his service. I want to end tonight with a quote that's attributed to Charles Swindle that I think is pretty powerful. He said, time is short. Opportunity is knocking. Please answer it. The age old aphorism is true. Four things never come back. The spoken word, the spent arrow, time passed and a neglected opportunity. So as if the Lord blesses you to wake up in the morning and see the beauty of a brand new day, in the remaining days of 2023, what will you do with your time? What will you do with your words? What will you do with your opportunities? Oh, if you're here tonight and you know that Galatians 2.20 cannot apply to you because of how you're living, don't let another second tick off to become another minute, to become another hour that you're outside of Christ. If you need to obey the gospel tonight, if you need to, uh, if we can help you in any way, won't you come right now while we stand and while we sing this song?
unto thee, O Lord. Do I lift up my Announce if there's anyone here who needs to partake of the Lord's Supper, you can pass to the back at this time, uh, go into the little chapel to the left of the foyer back there, and uh, they can help you out back there. Um, well, thanks. Thanks for being here tonight. This has been great. Um, just a few instructions before we close out. Uh, the food in the annex is, hopefully, I've got it set up to where you go in and you walk all the way down and then you're going to kind of make your way back this way with the line and that's to kind of get everybody in the building so nobody's having to wait out in the cold for too long. Um, so you'll go in there, kind of hook around, line come back this way, you'll get your drink or you'll get your cup of ice. You go make, you fix your own drink and there's a whole 360 setup of tea and lemonade and stuff. You just find what you want, get your drink um, and then go back around and you find your seats. Uh, so if you're helping prepare some of the food or take care of some of that, you can go ahead and go with this time. I would appreciate that. Uh, and what was it? Michael told Okay. Uh, on paper, anyways, is that February 19th, IUCA is supposed to host the next area-wide. Um, if, that's, if that's true, that's great. If it's not true, you can let me know and I'll fix it. But uh, as far as we know, that's the next area-wide will be on February 19th at IUCA. Uh, is there any more announcements that we need to make while we're all here? Nothing? Okay. The final song tonight will be Mansion Robin Crown. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm going to trade my earthly home for better.
Bow with me, please. Dear Almighty Father in heaven above, Lord, thank you for giving us another day just to come here and worship you in the spirit and the truth and grow closer to you, Lord. And thank you for all the many blessings you give us and all the mercy and love you show us, Lord. And please be with all those who are mentioned tonight, Lord, especially with Rod Coggin and his family, Lord. Just please be with them in their time of need. And just please be with anyone else who needs you right now, Lord, and comfort them in the way only you can. And thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for the mission of our sins, Lord. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.